We have a strategic enemy who loves to lie to us every day. Do you believe that? That he just, he loves to, in fact, it's, it's part of his, it's probably his number one tactic to fulfill his mission, which is to steal, kill, and destroy all the good stuff that God has created. And in fact, Jesus says, he's talking about the devil, Satan, the accuser, all the different terms from, and he says this in John chapter eight, Jesus says this, he says, when Satan lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. In fact, just a side note here, a warning. When you and I are dishonest or when we lie, my dad used to tell me this, he was like, you're speaking the language of Satan. Uh, just be aware of that, Jonathan. That lying is Satan's native language. And all kinds of lies, including, including the reality of life after death. That Satan wants us to believe that, if you've been here for a couple weeks, you know we talked about this, that this represents my life here, but this is my entire existence. This goes on forever and ever and ever. But my life here, the enemy wants to believe, us to believe that this is all there is. So live it up, make it happen, do whatever you want to do, and, and, and this right here, like, you really think there's like something after death? Like, who's come back and told you about that? Like, life is extinguished. And in fact, we don't have to guess that he lies about that. Jesus tells us through John chapter 13, here's what we're told to beware of, the lies of Satan. He lies about three things. Listen to this. He wants to slander God's name and his dwelling place, that's heaven, and those who live in heaven. So here's what Satan does. He lies about God's name, about God's place, and about God's people. And you and I might be tempted to believe those lies. It's not usually it was like, oh, there's a lie from the enemy right there. Usually it's some kind of thoughts in how we're like, I don't know, like, is there really like life after death? And, and what if there's not, I mean, and we, and those are straight up lies from the enemy. Because his heart is to take you down, take me, he hates you, he hates me. So he plants whatever doubts in our minds, just like he did with Eve and Adam in the garden, he continues to do today. But can I tell you something today? On the authority and power of God's living word, heaven is real and it's gonna be amazing. It really is. We want to talk about that today. That heaven is going to be, because God is good, that heaven is going to be really, really good, more than we could ever comprehend. We're going to look a little bit, see some hints at that today. But we're going to see why is it something where when you say, this is my life right here, I want to make sure that where I'm going in my afterlife, like the people we heard about in their baptism stories today, I'm going to go to heaven. Like, I, I want to know that. So I'm going to invite you to turn me to our first passage, which is Philippians chapter 1. And if you don't have a paper Bible like I do, you can look at your Bible app on your phone, Philippians chapter 1. And again, I want to just say welcome to all of those uh, watching online. You're engaging with us from around Northeast Ohio and from Georgia and from Idaho and from California and from different countries. Really glad. And some of you watching during the week, glad to have you uh, here today. Um, so Philippians chapter one, if we're tempted to believe that heaven's gonna be boring or disappointing, here's what Paul tells us, two phrases. First Philippians one verse 21, he says, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is what? To die is gain. How often do you hear people talk about that? They go, yeah, this is, you know, live, it's all about my relationship with Jesus and this is, 
But to die, oh, that's, good. that's gain. You go, I, that doesn't make sense unless you know something happens after you die. And this is where Paul, two verses later, he answers the question. He says this in verse 23. He says, I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is what? Better by far, right? Better by far. Heaven, what he's saying is this. He, Paul's saying, this place right here, how much you like your life here or not, he says, what happens the rest of eternity if you're a follower of Jesus? He goes, this is better by far. Best place ever, in fact. I have a hunch that we're going to echo the words of the Queen of Sheba. Maybe you remember the story in the Old Testament, historical account, and Solomon is the most um, successful, wealthy national leader in, in history. So the Queen of Sheba is coming, and it's this meeting of the heads of state. It's a friendly meeting. And she comes, and when she comes to the palace, she's ushered into Solomon's like courts, and, his, it, and she's overwhelmed. And Solomon takes her on a tour of all of his real estate and, and all of his possessions and his luxurious you know, things he enjoys. And she's like in awe. And she says this, she says, I did not believe what they said until I came and saw with my own eyes. I think that's what we're going to say when we get to heaven. We're going to say, I, I, I read about it in the Bible. I heard, I heard, in fact, would you just say that with me aloud? Would you read that verse on the screen? Let's say it together. Ready? I did not believe what they said until I came and saw with my own eyes. I think we're all going to say, when you get to heaven, we're going to go, this is unbelievable. If I could just go back and tell people on earth, like whatever they it's, it's way better than they could ever comprehend. So why is heaven better by far? I've really enjoyed reading some books on heaven in addition to the Bible. One of those is by C.S. Lewis. It's called The Weight of Glory. And we'll get to in a little bit to why he uses that word glory. But in that book, he highlights, he says, as I read the scriptures, he said there are five promises about heaven that he say, just make me, can't wait to get there. So let's look at uh, that in that line. In fact, if you want to find notes for the message today, if you go to our homepage, gracecma.org, just go to the digital bulletin, and the notes are there. You'll see all these scripture verses, etc. Promise number one, we're going to be with Jesus, and it's going to be phenomenal. In fact, if you uh, have your Bible open, let's look back at John chapter 14. Jesus is speaking to his followers right before his death. Some of you had a conversation with someone who's about to die. And you know, like, this might be my last conversation. I've had that a number of times, and it can be awkward. I want to tell you, don't, don't run from those. Take the moment. Acknowledge what's happening. It'll mean so much to them, and you'll never regret having that conversation. And I'll tell people, I'll say, you know what? Um, I know right now we're talking because the thought is that you're going to beat me to heaven. The reality is that I might beat you there. And whichever way, I want to know for sure that we're going to see each other there. And it's going to be phenomenal. And, and Jesus is speaking to his followers then and now. And he, you know, they're, they're feeling it because he's going to die within hours. And the, he, he says this. He goes in verse 1, he says, don't let your hearts be what? Troubled. Why not? He goes on. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. What he's doing, he's welcoming us, those who trust him, to a home forever, a place that's better by far. Home is the place where, you know, you're with the ones that you love, right? 
uh, hopefully, uh, if, if you have a healthy home, you know that your home is a place that you retreat to, that you play, you laugh, you eat, you rest, you sing, you dance, you can be yourself. Home is the place that you just go, and, and he says, I'm, my father is gonna welcome you to his home. In fact, the verse you see on the screen says, we're gonna be welcomed into eternal dwellings, which causes Randy Alcorn, who wrote one of the books, In Light of Eternity, and a book on heaven, great books, he says, you know what I think is gonna happen? When it says that welcomed into eternal dwellings, he said, I think you're gonna invite me to your house and I'm gonna invite you to my place and we're gonna have like a blast together. And it's gonna be beautiful. Uh, not just inside, but it's gonna be beautiful on the outside. The Bible mentions that heaven's gonna have music and animals and trees and rivers and fruit and a city with gates and streets. And if you love the outdoors, you're gonna love heaven. There's gonna be all the creative gifts of people on display, and we're gonna enjoy the diversity of different cultures. It says there's gonna be people from every language and tribe and nation. By the way, let me just say this. One of the reasons why we pray here at Grace for greater diversity ethnically in our church family, that is not to be politically correct. That is to be like, we want a foretaste of what heaven's gonna be like. That makes the heart of God like happy when he sees different cultures and ethnicities all united together because they belong to him and that we can sing his praise together. In fact, uh, I think we're going to enjoy ethnic foods as well. I, I love trying you know, foods from different cultures. And there's a great verse in Isaiah. Have you seen this verse? Isaiah chapter 25 says this, the Lord will spread a wonderful feast for all the peoples of the world. It will be a delicious banquet with clear, well-aged wine, and choice meat and Mitchell's amaretto ice cream. Uh, that's it's a New Living Translation. It's amazing. Uh, uh, it's going to be a feast for all people. There's going to be great Thai food and Indian cuisine and French and uh, all kinds of stuff that you know that we're just going to say this is this is outrageously amazing. Let me just say this too, because heaven's going to be a place of all cultures and ethnicities. Why not get a head start on that now in our own journey, right? To maybe in your workplace or here at Grace to say, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna make some friends with people who are maybe from a different background than I am or a different race or ethnicity and um, share a meal together uh, because that's what heaven is gonna be like. He says it's gonna be for all nations. That's God's heart. So, we're gonna be with Jesus. Not only that, we're gonna be the second promise. We're gonna be like Jesus. If you're wondering, like, what is my body gonna be like? Am I still gonna be me? Am I gonna be like an angel? What, what's gonna happen? The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter three, it says this. We know that when Christ appears, we will be like him, for we shall see him as he is. What does that mean? You're still gonna be you, and I'm still gonna be me, but without all the bad parts. I'm gonna be just as loving as Jesus. I'm not gonna have any regret. Like, think of this, Jesus never had a regret. He never left a meeting and was like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. You ever have that? You're with people and you're like, I should have said that or I shouldn't have said that or why did I do this? And you just beat yourself up. In heaven, you're never gonna do that. You're still gonna be you, I'm still gonna be you, but we're gonna be the best versions of ourselves. And by the way, let me just correct, clarify a common misunderstanding. You know, sometimes people go like, hey, I'm really sorry about the loss of your grandfather. You, you now have an angel watching over you. you the, the, 
you have an angel watching over you. That part is true, but the angel's not your grandpa. That would be a demotion. Because when we get to heaven someday, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says, we're actually going to judge angels. Angels are going to be like below us. They're, they're going to do your bidding. They're going to be, you are not going to become an angel. You're going to be you. And you're going to be the best version of you that you could be because Jesus is going to make you everything that he intends. And something else, since Jesus' resurrected body is the prototype, remember after Jesus rose from the dead, what did he do? There'd be a locked door and walls, and what would he do? He would he'd just appear on the inside, right? Or he was here, and all of a sudden, he showed up at the Sea of Galilee. And Bible teachers say that, really, if Jesus' resurrected body is the prototype for ours, we might be doing the same. I'm just going to show up in your place for a bowl of ice cream, right? That's the <laughs> By the way, if you have questions about, uh, like, you know, the second coming or heaven or hell or whatever, we're going to be having an Ask Anything Sunday on May 2nd. And you're going to see a number on the screen, or you can even text in uh, today uh, or the coming days. You can say, here's a question I've asked. And when you do that, if you could just say, I'm watching online, tell us what city or state you're watching from. Or if I'm, I'm, I attend Middleburg or I attend Olmstead, and, uh, and we'll respond to as many questions as we can on May, May 2nd. This next promise is mentioned by C.S. Lewis. Might be a, a one we don't think about a lot, but not only are we with Jesus, we're going to be like Jesus, but we're going to have glory from Jesus. Now, what, what does that mean, glory from Jesus? C.S. Lewis says this is fame with God, approval, appreci appreciation. Uh, recently, I watched something called uh, Road to Glory, and it's about the Olympics through the modern Olympics from 1896 until today. And it has all these like inspiring stories about the road to glory for these Olympic athletes. Or you think of that Civil War film, maybe you're thinking of that one, Glory with Morgan Freeman, I believe, and, and about the first uh, Union Army Civil War regiment uh, I think from Massachusetts, and, and, and their exploits and what they do, and, and they, it's called glory because there's this fame and admiration and appreciation. And when we get to heaven, there's gonna be something like that. But you know who's gonna be giving it out? None other than Jesus himself. Listen to what we read here in Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, if you put your trust in Jesus, here's what you're going to hear from him. Well done, good and faithful servant. You might go, oh, I don't think he's in it to me because I, man, he knows my past. He's not gonna bring your past up. If your past is forgiven, he's gonna look at what you did as one of his followers, the good that you did, and he's gonna say, you've been faithful with a few things. I put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. He's gonna affirm you like that. There's just, says that over and over. There's glory. One of my favorite verses about heaven is in 2 Corinthians chapter four, where it says this, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal, what? Glory that far outweighs them all. What he's saying is this. He's saying, whatever you face in this line right here, you might be in a place today that you don't really like what's going on in your life. In fact, you might be here today or you might be following Jesus because you look back and you say, I encountered deep loss, or there's been a disappointment, or I just, don't, I just don't like where I am right now. I've been through depression, whatever. You heard some of the baptism testimonies. Can we just make this personal for you? If you've put your trust in Jesus, here's, here's what the Bible says for you. Your troubles in this life right here don't even compare 
to the eternal glory that's gonna go on forever and ever and ever that far outweighs anything that you experience here. Someday when we're with Jesus, we're gonna look back, we're gonna be living, it's gonna be 500 years, we're gonna go, hey, do you remember back on planet Earth? And maybe we're gonna be on a renewed planet Earth, some people think that, it's gonna be all made new, but wherever heaven exactly is, we're gonna say, man, what Jesus has done for us since we lived in that earthly existence to where we are today. You see, the troubles of this life, very temporary. The glory, that's forever, right? This is the promise for you. If you've surrendered your life to Jesus and offered yourself to him, you can know this, that your troubles today, what your pain, your suffering, whatever it is, Pete, you're going through, that you just go, I wish that this prayer would be answered, what you will encounter, you're achieving a glory and the power of Jesus is far gonna outweigh anything you experience here. Something else here, promise number four, we're gonna be rewarded by Jesus. A lot of you have been reading the Bible in one year with us, not too late to get started. It's on your Bible app. If you just go to your Bible app, just type in, in plans at the bottom, there's a little middle one, a little icon, plans and Bible in one year with Nikki and Pippa Gumbel. And it's been great. This past week, we read in uh, Luke chapter 12, and there was a little line that jumped out at me, a pretty remarkable feature about what's going to happen in heaven. And I want to start with verse uh, 37. Verse 37 of Luke chapter 12, and here's what it says. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, the servants who are ready. Now, if you put your trust in Jesus, that's you and me. The servants who are ready, that's us, waiting for his return, will be rewarded. I tell you the truth, he himself, that's Jesus himself, will seat them, put on an apron, and serve them as they sit and eat. And then verse 38, whenever he comes, he will reward the servants who are ready. Friends, this, this is like astounding. We're going to be at this amazing banquet, incredible feud, gorgeous location. You walk in, and who seats you? Jesus himself. I thought, no, it's the other way. Like, I'm gonna see Jesus and I'm just gonna serve him. And we'll probably do that as well. We're all gonna serve each other. But it says here, Jesus is actually going to put on an apron. He says, and I'm gonna serve you this banquet. Incredible. And he'll reward you. Jesus says it here and he says it over and over again in the Gospels and in the Bible. Like this verse in 1 Corinthians chapter four, it says, at that time, when we see Jesus, each person will receive their praise from God. Randy Elkhorn in his book, uh, In Light of Eternity, pictures it this way. He says, Jesus will call him the guy who loved his wife that suffered with dementia for years. And he'll call him in and he'll say, I want to reward you for that. The mom who cared for a child with cere cerebral palsy for decades. He'll reward the high school student who showed kindness to the person at the cafeteria table who sat by themselves. He'll reward the child who took her money that she was saving up for a softball mitt and gave it to an outreach project that was gonna make a difference in another part of the world. He's going to reward those who lived life with deep desires and longings that were never fulfilled, but they still held on to Jesus and he held on to them. He'll reward the unskilled who were faithful and he'll reward the skilled who did their jobs with humility and gentleness. He'll reward moms and dads who modeled Jesus to their children. And he'll reward the children who followed Jesus even though mom and dad were anything but followers of Christ. He'll reward those who suffered 
while trusting him and will reward those who came alongside those who suffered. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. You might say, Jonathan, it sounds like you're saying we're gonna get to heaven by like the good things we do. I'm, I'm not saying that. Here's how one person has put it. Our belief determines our eternal destination. Our behavior determines our eternal rewards. Does that make sense there? We're forgiven based on what Jesus has done for us. We're gonna be rewarded based on how we've served and loved him. One more promise from C.S. Lewis, and he says this, that promise number five, we're gonna be given significant roles of leadership. Last week we looked at Revelation and we saw how we're gonna serve Jesus. We're going to uh, reign with him. We're gonna have leadership roles. We're gonna, he's gonna involve us in significant and fulfilling ways. In your notes, I've listed some scriptures that give hints how we'll be making decisions. I mentioned before, leading angels and more. We're gonna rest from our life and work on this earth, but we're gonna have new responsibilities and opportunities where we, we never fail, and we just keep on learning and exploring and discovering, and there's a hint of that in Ephesians chapter two where it says, in the coming ages that he will show, the word is an ongoing, like a continuous, he's going to keep on showing and revealing to us the incomparable riches of his grace. I think he's gonna be going, hey, let me show you this over here. Oh, and let me show you this over here. And he's just gonna keep on, and it's gonna be amazing. I think there's gonna be aspects of heaven where we're gonna go, this is like, a, this is, in fact, in Revelation, something interesting, in Revelation 21 and 22, last two chapters of the Bible, the angel that's showing John around, giving him a peak of heaven, hence the name of the book, Revelation, he's getting a revelation of what's to come, that the angel says twice in chapter 21, verse five, and chapter 22, verse six, the angel says, these words I'm telling you are trustworthy and true. In other words, you can count on it. You're not having a dream. If you think, nah, really? No, I'm telling you, this is really the case. I want you to imagine the first explorers to the Grand Canyon. And, uh, you know, no one's been there before, uh, and they, they come and they're like, whoa, it looks like there's a drop-off over there. And they walk up and they're like, and their eyes just bug out of their heads, and they're like, whoa, this is absolutely amazing. And they just gaze on it, they drink it all in, and then they go back to their friends, you know, a few miles back, and they go, you guys aren't gonna, you gotta come with us, this is amazing. There's this chasm that's like so wide, and, and the rock formations and the colors, and at the base of this canyon is a, there's a river, and it's just, and you watch the sunset, and it's phenomenal. And then around the campfire, the other people who haven't seen it are going like, it's like a hole in the ground? You're like, no, 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 you gotta trust what I'm telling you. It is like amazing. And someone else goes, I don't think it's very amazing. I mean, it's just like a hole in the ground. And the enemy tries to do that to us today and to say, oh, no, come on. You, it's not gonna be, it's gonna be boring. And the angel says, these words are trustworthy and true. And you're gonna be like the queen of Sheba and said, I heard about it but until I saw it with my own eyes, I had no idea how amazing heaven would be. So there's a measure of faith on our part because we haven't seen it. What do we have? We have what the Bible tells us, and we say this book is trustworthy and true. We have the words of the resurrected Jesus who came back from death in history. I really believe that. 
You have a lesser testimony, but you have hundreds and even thousands of near-death experiences where people are like, hey, I coded, and let me tell you what I saw, like I saw light and colors. I mean, you just read these and you, you hear the same stories over and over again, and what they say is just is remarkable about heaven to the point where if you accept the evidence in faith, you come to the place and you go, you know what? I believe that this life is not the end. I'm not gonna just be extinguished when this is over. I have an existence that's gonna go on forever and ever and ever in either heaven or hell. And if I put my trust in Jesus, I, I have everything to look forward to. When my dad was nearing the end of life, and some of you have been in a place where you've been with someone as they're coming to the close of their life. Uh, and if you haven't been, I hope you'll have that. I would say it's, it's uh, a sacred privilege. The first time was when I was a pastor and I was really young and, and uh, this family had a, an 11-year-old boy who I'd visited a lot of times and he had a brain cancer and they called us in the middle of the night and they said, we think that Austin is gonna be breathing his last and he's, would you come over? And Mary and I went and we were there and when he breathed his last, last breath and it's a profound moment. It's a, it's a sacred moment. It's a moment you don't forget. I remember when my dad was dying and we knew these were his final moments and so I told you before, I'm part of a big family. There's 10 of us who were gathered around in a circle. We're holding hands, telling dad we loved him. We're singing, and my other siblings who couldn't be there uh, were on FaceTime and Skype on their you know, devices we had, and mom is sitting next to the treasure of her life. And we're singing this a number of songs, and the one we were singing at this moment was, we rest on thee, our shield and our defender. We go not forth alone against the foe. And then there's a part that says, when passing through the gates of pearly splendor, Victors, we rest with you through endless days. And something beautiful happened in that moment while we were singing that last verse. When passing through the gates of pearly splendor, and I watched my dad take a breath and he didn't exhale. And my dad, something amazing happened. My dad, my dad's life didn't end, he relocated. He took his last breath here and he took his first breath in the presence of Jesus. Our relationship didn't end. It was just interrupted. I miss my dad. We cried that day. But we were saying, see you later to dad. So here's the question. When I looked at his body and, and you look at someone who's just died, and you say, someday, that's gonna be me. Where am I going to be a second after I die? Do you know for sure? I love that the Bible says in 1 John chapter five, these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. Do you know? If you know you've given your life to Jesus, you've surrendered to him, can I tell you this? You're gonna have lies from the enemy. Until the day that Jesus comes again or he takes you home, you're gonna have lies going, are you sure it's true? Did he really say this? I mean, in light of all you've suffered, can you really trust that God is good? Do you even think there is a God? Are the atheists right? Here's what the Bible affirms. When we die, 
it ain't the end. If we know Jesus, heaven is waiting and it's amazing. And Jesus, he's gonna be there to welcome you home and he's going to reward you for hanging on to him in this life. It's good to think about the long tomorrow. Let's thank him together for making it possible. Would you pray with me? Jesus, how good to know that you have been at work preparing a place for us. Can't even imagine, Jesus, that when we get there, you're gonna serve us, me. You love me that much. You love us, Jesus. We wanna take you at your word today. And there's a lot of things we don't know, but we believe that you're good. We sang that earlier. You're, you're, you're so good. So Jesus, our trust is in you today. Lord, we believe. Help us in the places where we have unbelief. And keep us close to you that we could live today in light of that long tomorrow. Lord Jesus, We love you today and we thank you. In your name we pray, amen.